Welcome back to the Office Marketing Podcast with Mike Swigert, the podcast all about sales tips, mindset, and value bombs. Five questions to help make your day more productive and learn a thing or two. Here is your host, best-selling author, Mike Swigert. Hey, everybody. I am here with Al Osworth. Al is a a wealth of information, a wealth of great information, and a wealth of minutia uh, when it comes to all things commercial lighting. Al has a really a, a great, great background, 14 years with Acuity, many years with GE. Uh, he was with a startup called Lighting Science, now known as Healthy Lighting, and, uh, and he spent many years at Sun Lighting, but, but currently, as the Vice President of Sales of Lomato and American Linear Lighting, Al, thank you for taking time out of your day to come talk to us. Hey, man, my pleasure. So my you have pleasure. been uh, you've been in lighting since candles were kind of the general. Uh, but no, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think uh, I think in a relative sense, yes. I mean, you know, uh, nineteen ninety six, a long time ago. Yeah. Ninety six. So was <laughs> was the T eight lamp the standard? Was the T five or T eight out yet? Or was this? I mean, was the T twelve? T twelve. T eight was out but you know it was a few years before they really started uh, the revolution of changing out all of the the old t12s the t8 yeah it was sort of underway and the t5 point, didn't exist yet right was the t5 after the yet, t8 not really i think the technology was there but you know they hadn't perfected it or gotten the quality or price where it, where it was going to activate yet you know but yeah <laughs> what was the main why was somebody ago. yeah why was somebody switching from a t12 to a t t8 was that just so ge could sell more lamps it, you know, it was an energy push. Certainly, certainly the 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 manufacturers would want to do that, sure. But but uh, the energy uh, the energy push was a big part of it. And you know, anytime you can come up with some kind of value proposition that that equals money in somebody's pocket, you know, and and improve the life, so operating costs go down. You okay. Know, you, yeah, you got a good. nice financial equation that that is easy to sell. You know? I, I feel like we jumped right into this, and people are kind of like, <laughs> obviously, Mike knows Al. I have known Al for years. Um, I don't want to give too much away. I do. I do want you to get into like kind of your path. Um, you know how you go from acuity to uh, the modern American uh, linear. So why don't you why don't you do that, Al? Why don't you kind of walk us back? to your past and how you got into lighting and then sort of how you made your, your move to where you are today. Sure. Um, well, you know, I got out of college. I had an engineering degree, industrial engineering, uh, and, um, and was a musician. Okay. So, uh, I was playing music, uh, when I came out of college. And so we were doing well enough at that time where I didn't have to, I didn't have to get a job, a day job per se. I mean, we were making enough money where where I, we could pay the rent and and uh, you know have a lot of fun. So you know, my my thought was I would do that until I just couldn't anymore, and that it took me on into my you know mid few few years past my mid twenties, uh, and um, you know I had this engineering degree, and you know somebody suggested you know you probably are better for sales, <laughs> you know, because, you know, I wasn't a practicing engineer, you know, I had enough technical background to, to, to do a lot of different things from a sales perspective. And it turns out that engineering degree helped me a lot, really, in terms of understanding technology and how it's applied and, you know, what 
turned out to be a lighting career. Uh, but, you know, I, I met a guy um, through just answering an ad in, in uh, the newspaper back in, in those days, uh, looking for a sales rep for, a, you know, lighting, technical lighting sales position. The only company really in the lighting industry that had a direct sales force. And, you know, he had hired a guy who was a brilliant guy. Uh, well-known in the lighting industry that, that passed away at a young age. Uh, but he had hired that particular guy and he was a, a previously a ballet dancer and very successful ballet dancer. And he, uh, you know, oddly, um, very brilliant guy, just somehow came across the guy's path. And the reason I say that is the thing that this particular fellow who hired the both of us found, found uh, interesting was this performance background and our ability to be comfortable in front of people, uh, but smart enough and sort of handy enough to be able to apply a lot of those things and, and, and perceive situations because we were comfortable in front of people. And in fact, even today, I'm, I'm just as comfortable probably in front of, in front of 12 or 15 or 30 people as I am in, in front of one person, you know. I, I love, uh, hey so, Al, I love that because I know people that have insurance agencies and all they want are college athletes. Like they literally are like, right. cause I know that like, if you know what it's like to get up at, you know, four 30 in the morning and, or I guess if you're an entertainer, you know what it's like to go to bed at four 30 in the morning. But like, <laughs> if you know what it's like as like a, a collegiate athlete, you know, whether you're uh, whether you played on your uh, soccer team or golf team or lacrosse, or, you know, baseball. I mean, I don't, if you ever met a salesperson that was a closer, whether it be, you know, softball or baseball, oh my gosh, watch out. You want them on your team. Yeah. You know, you want the second and third, one out, bottom of the ninth. I know I want that closer. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, prior to college, really, I was, I mean, I was an athlete like a lot of people are in high school. And, um, you know, that, that background of, you know, playing a basketball game in front of people. Mm. I mean, you know, um, you're throwing yourself out there a little bit, even in that regard. It's a team sport, of course, but you know, you're, you, you, you get this comfort level of performing. And I mean, I like you it. know, you're just playing a game, but you, you grab, you grab that, that, that comfort level that actually helped me, you, you know, um, when I started playing guitar in front of people or singing in front of people and you transition that to, to the day, if you could sing in front of people, I thought to myself, Surely I can speak in front of people. Mm -hmm. So, you know. Now I, um, I have been known, I've actually, you don't know this Al, but I've sung in front of people on uh, Bourbon Street. Um, I've done a little <laughs> karaoke. I, yes, I will do Sweet Caroline. So if anybody knows me, the only reason I do that is because I don't know pitch or key, but I do know that if you do Sweet Caroline, everyone sings along with you everyone and I'm really good. Along. I'm good. Absolutely. A good I, choice. Exactly. Good choice. So now, so now you've taken your first lighting job, you know, how, how this yeah. path go from there, Al? Well, you know, I took it upon myself to go back to school. I was a, a little bit, I wasn't bored exactly, but I wanted to know why the company was making the decisions that they were making, whether I agreed or disagreed. Uh, and, uh, you know, the company was willing to, to invest in me and, you know, paid for my education. I went to a small, you know, school, Georgia College. Uh, but same accreditation level as Georgia State or University of Georgia. And uh, really, it, that really changed 
it changed my life in a, in a massive way. I, it, it, uh, it, it sort of sparked a lot of the things that were from a business standpoint, sort of packed down in there. I learned how to deal with a lot of different people in the music business for sure. And I got the technical side from a, from an engineering standpoint. Uh, but when I, when I really started digging through, you know, a lot of these business principles and, and in the lighting industry is very unique. It's very tough business. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I sort of have an MBA in the lighting business is sort of the way I would describe it because everything that I learned uh, during those during those classes, I would usually apply something that I was going through, you know, in my day job mm -hmm. uh, to what I was learning, whether it was organizational behavior or whether it was, you know, finance or, you know, whatever it happened to be. And, and you know, the, the, the distribution sales representation manufacturer uh, relationship uh, between between those three is a massive massive triangle triangular relationship in in our business it really helped me understand what everybody does mm -hmm. and what the value that everybody was trying to create uh, you know in the value chain which is pretty complex you know the product and lighting is pretty simple but the, but the value chain is pretty complex uh, and really helped me understand that. So by the time I got through that, you know, I guess, uh, you know, the guy who had hired me was retiring and I guess he convinced the, the bigger boss that, that I was the guy that needed to replace him. So I was able to move into, into the regional manager position and, you know, you know, managing people that used to be my peers. So that was challenging, but, but, but also very enlightening. Uh, and, uh, and I learned a lot during those years and, and, you know, um, it turned out all of the things that I'd done in my past really oddly sort of came together and, you know, allowed me to have some success. That's great. And then you went from acuity to GE, right? Is that how we went? Yeah. So I left, I left acuity. I, I actually followed the guy that I just mentioned, who was the ballet dancer, Zach Gibbler, very well-known guy in the lighting industry. Uh, again, he passed away at a young age. Uh, on a bicycle, which is just crazy, very tragic. But I followed him. He uh, he asked me to come lead his his uh, sales um, at this startup LED company. So this was prior to LED being mainstream by by a long shot, but we could see the writing on the wall for sure. Uh, and uh, so I left and and did that, and that really was my first my first real opportunity to lead sales. I mean, I'd had, you know, VP type of sales jobs at, at Acuity. Uh, and those were challenging and fun, but this was a, a really new technology uh, at the time and really on the bleeding edge. And, you know, it was a North American type of responsibility and very challenging and learned a ton in a short amount of time. But what I learned was how tumultuous those situations can be from a financial standpoint. Uh, and I mean, we more than doubled the size of the company during the, you know, almost two years that I was there. Um, but it seemed like we were putting a $5 bill in every single box we were sending out the, the door. And that's it's only sustainable for, for a period of time. Yeah. And uh, so I did wind up at GE, um, you know, a couple of years later. And, you know, again, North American type of responsibility, which was, you know, again, the antithesis of, this startup company going to this big, you know, hundred plus billion dollar corporation uh, that had much sexier businesses than, than lighting. 
And, you know, when I mentioned GE or, you know, have a national responsibility for, for, you know, some kind of sales force at a company like GE, everybody's thinks, well, wow, that must've been a big job. And I go, you know, it really wasn't. It was about $150 million when, I, when, when we started, not even that rounding up. Uh, and, you know, GE lighting on the other hand was a two and a half, $3 billion company. Mm. The fixture and controls business was very small. Uh, and again, outsourced Salesforce. Wait, uh, okay, Al, you got to go to Neela Park though, right? You were up I to Neela Park? All I right, was there so, a lot. <laughs> all right. I also, I've probably been to Neela Park with you. I just can't recall, but um, I'm going to segue here because of the GE time. Uh, it, if, if anybody knows, it, what does Neela stand for? Do you remember? Um, I mean, it's, uh, it, it was the name, it was the first industrial park. Right. You know, right. so I, I forget what the, yeah, what it stands too. for, but it, you know, it was the first industrial park that had ever been designed, you know, from right. ground up literally. And I mean, there's old photos of, you know, the migration of the workers and the, the everything that was downtown in Cleveland out to East Cleveland, you know, which is where Neela was. So, and yeah. that was a, you know, more than a hundred years ago now really uh remarkable oh, okay. so it stood light. for i actually since since we're both good it stood for the national electric lighting association i think uh, there you go and right. so be it, it, people that don't know neil park is one of the coolest places ever so if i if i recall the story properly edison invited a lot of other lighting inventors and small companies to come work there at neil park correct al well, yeah, it was a little bit of a think tank, but also mm -hmm. the headquarters of, of, you know, GE's lighting business. All right. So yes, it, it, it had a different shape and feel back then. Uh, it, you know, what the business was going to look like over the coming years had not really crystallized yet. Right. Right. I thought the, one of the favorite things about it was, I think he told everyone that they could come there and work at Neela Park at a discount or, or for free at first, but they all had to use the A-lamp base. The A base, am I remember calling it properly? Good question. I, that, that's a tough one for me. I don't know that one. So I would always geek out anytime I go up there. So like the concept of talking to a physicist that was on a low pressure sodium or high pressure sodium or you know, these people that actually worked on these uh, these lamps, the chemistry behind these lamps uh, is just fat was always fascinating to me. Yeah, and, really. Uh, or even the light, basically the lightning that they create to shoot the light up where the um, where the twin towers once stood, I remember seeing them manufacture that light. So that's yes, really, I, uh, yeah. If anybody, technology that's come out of Neela Park over the years is pretty yeah. pretty impressive. Absolutely amazing. And, and then you ended up at a right you ended up at one of the uh, one of the largest one of the best um, lighting reps in the country in Southern Lighting Source. This episode of the Office Marketing Podcast is brought to you by Fusion Advisory. We help commercial contractors generate leads online profitably. Check us out at fusion-advisory.com. Right. And what was yeah. that experience like? Yeah. So, you know, uh, that's, when, that's when really we got sort of reacquainted. Mm -hmm. Turns out we knew each other beforehand, but uh, we got reacquainted during those years. And... <clears throat> You know, I sort of, you know, my entrepreneurial juices had been flowing for a long time and I, I liked being in a smaller organization. There's a lot of things about GE that, that I wouldn't trade and I learned a lot, but it's just massive, just huge. It's very easy to get lost 
uh, from a from an organizational standpoint. So the idea of trying something smaller uh, that was a little bit more nimble and something that I had control over was something that I, I really wanted to do. So, you know, I was able to 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 work with Teak Shore, uh, who's the you know the owner of of Southern Lightning Source. And we convinced GE to give us some money and allow us to set up another business that was focused on the utility, uh, DOT infrastructure related side of the business and of the lighting business. And, you know, the vision of that business was to uh, become more of a commodity rep for utilities and, you know, try and just take lighting as one piece of all the things a utility, you know, needs. It's primarily, it's primarily based on helping utilities deliver power from the point of generation to the point of termination. And of course, lighting is just, you know, a point of termination a lot of times to a utility, but there's a lot of other materials. And, and you know, we struggled, we're really good at lighting, very great at lighting, uh, but we struggled, you know, trying to move from lighting because we were so good at that. It was such a core competency over to, to other uh, utility oriented products. And, um, you know, we, we tried a lot of different models and we got the business up and running. We were making money. Uh, you know, we had a really good, a really good run right up until the time where we worked on the, the, uh, the Atlanta Braves hmm. uh, stadium project. Yeah. Uh, and, and then, and then right about that time is when we, we sort of brought the businesses back in together and I started working on building the portfolio as the business has grown into Tennessee and into Alabama and into, you know, other parts of Georgia. Uh, and uh, so really focused on trying to help scale that business, uh, especially on the portfolio side. I love it. And love uh, it. yeah, and, and that was great, too. I, I sort of think of myself as not a victim of the pandemic, but, it, you know, the last year has changed so many businesses, certainly created the opportunity for new business models too in the lighting industry um but it's it's changed a lot and you start to realize the the nature of risk associated with one of these small you know businesses and when that when that engine's not running and you know you don't have a robust number of projects that are that are you know out there to compete for uh it's very difficult to uh to to yeah. sustain that well and now you're so vice president sales hey Al, so now you're, oh, you're VP of sales at Lamont and American Linear. So, right. so, so now what, what, what are you, what are you doing? Like, wh where are we going with this company? Right. So it's, it's a great question. And, uh, you know, very small, very small, you know, $10 million, which is not necessarily that small in the lighting industry, but it's a small company. Uh, and the owner was somebody that I worked with at Acuity, you know, 20 plus years ago. And so we were certainly more than acquainted with each other. Uh, and, you know, when you're changing jobs, if you know the character of somebody you're going to work with, you know, on both sides of that, it just makes the transition so much easier and less stressful. You know, you're always wondering whether you're making the right decision, but, uh, but when you know the people that are involved, it certainly makes it easier. So, um, so there was that and that helped a lot. Uh, but now we're, you know, in this particular product, the company's uh, really focused on is linear lighting, right? And linear is is very commoditized from a lighting standpoint. There's many, many, many uh, manufacturers who who make very similar products that compete for that. All right, and, Al, and, you can't tell us you're selling. You can't tell me you're selling a commoditized product. What is it that? All right, what's special? This is your throw me a, a nickel pitch. 
What is no, special absolutely. about Listen, this, I, I think this solution? The strengths of the company, the strengths of the company, there's two different brands, right? So Lamato and American Linear uh, are the two brands. And, you know, the American Linear is very clear from a value proposition standpoint. And the idea is, you know, that quality triangle that we talked about or the, you know, the project management triangle, number of different names where, you know, quality, price and accessibility or speed to market, uh, you can pick two. Right. And, and we feel like we address all three of those. And so that's sort of the basis of the value prop. We compete very, very well on price and have very good quality. And, you know, we can get the stuff out the next day, which is pretty unique. Whoa, 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 Al, in, you can't in, say next day. Al, does it really ship the next day? It really does. Really? Yeah, if you get the order in, if you get the order in before 2 p.m., it will ship. It will ship the next day. You All know, right. So now, it, it, many people that are listening. Not every to this. product, yes. not every product, but a rationalized set of SKUs will ship the next day. Okay, right? good. Because so, I was in the lighting business. Right. A lot of people know I was uh, uh, in lighting sales for about five years, and I needed next day. I'm not saying that maybe I missed something here or there, but occasionally maybe I missed something. And I sure could have used next day on a couple projects. <laughs> That's that would have <laughs> been nice to have. But listen, bailing people out is one of the things we do. Right. right. I mean, you yeah. know, when, when a contractor needs to get off a job and, you know, things are caught out in the Pacific Ocean waiting to find port, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, you know, and you start getting penalties, uh, you know, for being late on finishing a project, you know, that's another place where, you know, you can turn to a company like ours and, and we can mm -hmm. help you out. Right. So yeah. there's, right there's now, a number there's, of different values. There's about five project managers listening to this podcast and they're going, yeah, for Conspire, you did forget, you missed that one strip of lamps that went in the hallway or lights, that, you know, fixtures that needed to go down that hallway or, you, you know, I told you the room was going to expand by 15 feet. Yeah, I know you told me, I'm sorry. So, um, but it was a long time ago. All right. Hey man, projects change. All right, Either. let's tell it. <clears throat> All right, so tell me then, hey, why don't you give some tips? So you've got, decades of experience in lighting right hey lighting is screwy right i i get it like it's very screwy and whether you're a project manager or a designer or a facility director or maybe even just like another discipline what's a good piece of advice you can give everyone in general when it comes to when it comes to lighting well that's interesting i, I mean i i think uh Boy, advice is, is a tough one, right? I mean, I think one of the, one of the things that I learned, really you go back to, to school, I mean, it, it's sort of, a, sort of a variation of, of the, you know, don't, you have to be able to see the forest for the trees, right? So to speak. And I mean, you know, I had a couple of, of, of case studies that pointed out to me, they weren't lighting necessarily, but, uh, you know, that you have to not allow, you got to force yourself uh, to not allow the trees to get in the way of seeing the forest, right? The big picture and understand really that the value chain in lighting is so big. And the, the, in comparison to, I used to compare it at GE, I would always compare it to the, um, uh, to the jet engine business, right? Their aviation business, which is multi-billion dollar orders, very, very complex product, very few players you know, who, who, who make them very few players who buy them. Uh, and, you know, I'm sure that, that uh, the number of relationships associated with that are, are very deep. And there's a lot of people involved in those decision-making processes true, but 
you know, when you compare that to lighting, it's just the opposite, really. It's a very simple product, at least in comparison to that. And there's 14 different people on any given project that feel like they're the decision maker uh, over a $2,000 order, right? Mm, and I mean, you, yeah. you know, you, you just, it's so easy to get caught up in the little things because there's so many little things. Uh, Al, okay. Al, I'm going to pin you down a little bit. I want more advice. I'm a general contractor on this job. I'm a project manager for CV or JLL. Give me a little piece of advice. What's going to help me make sure the lighting goes better on my job? Well, man, that's a, that's a, that's a very tough question, but uh, that's why I asked you. Cause you know, I know, I know it, it's tough. It, it is a tough question things, to answer. One of the things that has been, has hurt the industry, I think is the value chain has been a, a has been a very, you know, follow the chain mentality, right? You don't go over the next, the next rung um, in the chain. And, you know, that creates, that creates ability for people to be able to say it's somebody else's fault. You know, it's, it's that guy, he didn't send that email or we didn't get the order in time, or, you know, we, we didn't get that, um, uh, um, order in time to set up the supply chain, or we didn't have any visibility on this or that or the other thing. And I, I mean, I think taking accountability uh, and, and trying to take that to the highest levels of the value chain, I think there's a lot of legs in being able to do that. In fact, Southern Lining Source does that very, very well. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's not easy to do because, you know, you might get in trouble with a couple of different people in the value chain trying to satisfy people that are at the highest levels of the value chain. And, and, you know, when you follow the money and you're, you're able to do that, there's a lot of value in being able to just give the right information to people. Uh, and, and uh, that's where you can create some unique relationships and really, you know, sort of pull the curtain back on mm -hmm. how this industry works. I like uh, it. And, uh, you know, there's some value in being able to do that. It's very difficult because, again, there's so many different players. And in any given day, you know, one player might have more uh, pull than another in terms of the decision. You know, there's a specification side and architects and engineers, designers, interior designers and engineers and, you know, all these different people who, who are influencing the specification. And then how that comes over to the construction side. Uh, you know, and where the money really, you know, forces things to transact. And you got people who are now in business to make money in mm -hmm. construction. Yeah. And you're sitting here down here, especially a small little guy like me now, sitting at the bottom of the value chain with a linear, you know, fixture that needs to go in a ceiling. Right, right. You well, know, I, I just I'd let you know, Al, you are now you're around a lot of different people. Yeah, you're now the dartboard because they're going to be throwing darts at you all day long, and they're and they're going to be like, wait. I thought you said you deliver in a day. Well, we do deliver in a day. All we need is the spec and an approved vendor or a preferred order, and we're good to go, right? Well, you know, everybody has their little things that they can do for their clients that right. make them special, that, that create value. Everybody has those things. And, you know, what, what we realized is that there's so many, you know, well-defended hills. People have, they have these great streams of business that you can't break into. You know, and they're they're generational in a lot of cases. I mean, you know, th these relationships go back thirty and forty years. I mean, people who run in businesses now got them from their from their dad. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and uh, it's very difficult to break those kind of relationships. So you have to find a different way, and you can't be afraid to do it. 
Yeah. Uh, you, you, you know, it's very risky to do it, but you know, when you're, when you realize that, that, that uh, people in the chain can't take things from you because they don't give you anything uh, and there's less punishment, you know, possible in yeah. that regard, then you can get up the value chain to people who can supersede those decisions. You got another path. So, yeah. Well, there's that fine line, Al, because if I'm a designer, I, I'm a designer. I just want my job to go right. I want it to be pretty. I, I, I right. drew this picture, this vision with my client, but I also want my certificate of occupancy. You know, like it's one of those where like, there's no and, doubt. And, and, and pulling out all the BS on these jobs and lighting is infamous. So um, well, at the end, <clears> we're going to give everyone. Well, Mike, you know this well. You, yeah. you know this very well. I know. When I know. you talk to an architect, yeah. an architect will say lighting is the bane of their existence. And why? Well, they'll say, well, I never get what I want. And if I am going to get what I want, the budget is always blown. And, and how can an architect not get what he or she wants? How can they not get that? How can it, you know, there's so the much, hor there's so much the, horse manure. It is. All right, Al, we're going to finish up. I'm actually, I'm going to yes. skip some of the normal questions because we covered tons of good stuff. I, and this is a question we did not talk about, but uh, so Al sort of hinted at it. Um, Al and I didn't officially meet while in college. We're both Auburn graduates. Uh, but it was probably the late 80s. He was in a band called The Month of Sundays. They played a wonderful place called The Supper Club in <laughs> Auburn, Alabama. Very high-end place. Um, yes, yeah, slippery for floors and dollar beers. But um, Many good I, memories there. The I do. A lot of great. I, I, I know they've, torn, they've since torn it down, haven't they, Al? Isn't it down to the ground? Oh, yeah. yeah. But um, So Al would be up there uh, playing guitar and, and lead vocals and just this just great great talent and he really um he, he's being extremely humble the band he was in was was very successful and very very uh very talented but um all right al here you are we're gonna finish up with this um you have to pick a lead singer a guitarist a bassist keyboard and drummer you get right who are you taking at uh who's your who's your rock and roll drummer who's it gonna be oh boy gotta go That's quick yeah five seconds yeah. Okay. Um, I guess I'll go with Neil Peart. Ah, uh, it was. I, I either had you down for Neil Peart or Keith Moon, one or the other. I think you're going either way. And it's hard. It would be hard to not go with with you know, with Moon. Yeah. I mean, I, well, you know, this is going to be tough for me because I know. I, I know. All right. So keyboards. Favorite, you know, we're going to keyboards, and you can't pick anybody else from Rush. So we're going to go to keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> so keyboards. You're picking the ultimate. Who is the best? Uh, keyboards at uh, any uh, for any band. My goodness, I mean, I mean, just pure raw talent, and, and I mean, I and I have a uh, sort of a little bit more of a penchant for songwriters. I mean, I I would probably go with Billy Joel. Oh, great call! I know it's shocking, but yeah, I think that'd be great. I think it'd be a lot of fun. All right, let's go to bass. Who are we gonna who are we gonna who are we gonna throw on the thump the thump the thump? Who's gonna be who's gonna play Paul bass? McCartney. Who's that? Paul McCartney. Oh. Well now you got a you have a songwriter with you. You've got a I mean I mean you're talking about a pretty superstarish band already, right? Um yeah, um hard pressed to find uh between him and Justin Timberlake that has a better following uh with 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 a group. <laughs> All right, so we're going. All right, lead guitar. They don't have to be the singer, just lead guitar. Who are you taking? Okay, this is this. You're going to be shocked by what I say here, but I I unequivocally say Prince. Oh, 
How many instruments did Prince play? Like, I, I think he played every instrument, right? It's easier to say which ones he did not play, probably. So, yeah, I mean, the guy's a, he, he was a guitar virtuoso. You don't think of him necessarily that way. There's clips of him playing with other other people. There's a, the, you know, famous, famous uh, particular clip where he's at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, and these guys are just going, oh my gosh. Mm. Did, and not to go deep, but we and need to follow. Know. Did I ever tell you at the time my brother saw him at a small bar in Birmingham, Alabama, where they showed up at like cool. one o'clock in the morning and played for like four hours? Incredible. That's, okay. All right. So let's you, so now you know, we got lead lead guy. vocals. Yep. Who are we taking on lead vocals? And it can't be Al Osworth. Because I yeah. know you want to play Dude, with this band. No one would want that. Yeah. No one would want that. Oh, man. God. Man, I wasn't prepared for this. I know. Um, I'll go with Bono. All right, I was going to say, I mean, I think you know I'm a huge Freddie Mercury fan. I think yeah, that, sure. so, but Bono's pretty solid, not bad. The glasses annoy me a little bit, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to, uh, I am going to cut it, cut it off with that. I love your superstar band. Uh, Al, you are really the man when it comes to lighting and your experience, whether it be enterprise, startup, you know, just bringing great value. Thank you for taking time. And what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Probably LinkedIn. Oh, that's a good way to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, okay. I'll put your, um, I'll put your, your link in the show notes, but if anybody's just listening, Al's last name is slightly difficult to spell, but if you start going Al and then his, his last name is A-Y-L-S, A-Y-L-S worth, Al's worth. And, right. um, yeah, you like that? I, believe me, I'm reading it. Too many times I've transposed the L and the Y. Sorry, Al. You're not the only one. Man. I know, I know, I know. But um, Al is a, seriously, if you just want to talk music, you want to talk uh, lighting, you want to talk, you know, how to make sure that the value is going on in your job. I'm telling you, this guy is a straight shooter. He is insanely honest and caring and just, just a really good human being. And thanks for being on, Al. Well, that's very nice of you to say, man. It's really my pleasure to be here. Thank All right. Thanks, thanks so much. much. Thanks for listening to the Office Marketing Podcast. Be sure to join the conversation on our YouTube channel, LinkedIn, and Facebook pages. If you enjoyed the episode, head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.